Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Good Sunday evening where we live in a world where Anthony Davis will be a Los Angeles Laker. We've probably been talking about Anthony Davis being traded from the Pelicans since close to the inception of Dunkton <laughs> over four years ago now. It has finally happened. He has moved on to the Lakers. Mr. LaRue, what are the parameters of this trade? The Los Angeles Lakers receive Anthony Davis. The New Orleans Pelicans receive Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, Josh Hart, the number four pick in the 2019 draft, the Lakers 2021 first round pick, only if it is one through eight. If it is not one through eight, then they get the Lakers unprotected first round pick in 2022. So that is reverse protection based on what is typically there. Then the Pelicans have swap rights unprotected in 2023. And then in, in 2024, they either get the Lakers unprotected first round pick or have the right to defer that until 2025. Wow, that is just a a haul this is more draft picks than we've seen traded since uh, the trade to which this is being compared a little bit that brooklyn celtics trade back in 2013 worth recalling about that trade by the way because we're gonna go through a lot of some of the comparisons here and this is a much bigger haul at least as it looks right now for the new orleans pelicans than any of these teams have gotten in these superstar trades with one or even two years left on their contract but worth remembering that that celtics nets trade also included the celtics taking on three years and 30 million dollars which is basically equivalent now to three years and 60 million dollars with gerald wallace in that trade and then a bunch of like keith bogans had to be signed and traded to make the trade work. like there's a lot of bad money going back to the celtics there as well which was part of the consideration in addition to paul pierce and, and kevin garnett and jason terry so th- just to remember that uh, about the trade as well the the pelicans do not have to take on any bad money in this trade and I've, we're going to talk about the lakers offseason later a lot about what this trade will look like for both teams how their teams are going to look going forward but just in terms of a pure asset play Danny we just have not seen anything close to this and Anthony Davis was the crown jewel you know there's a reason he'd been talked about for as many years as he had as a potential trade candidate because he's viewed as this generational prospect one of the best players ever available in trade considering his age and his resume to date yeah and it's worth going through that a little bit davis is 26 years old now has been an elite player in the league since i would say the 14-15 season when he was first team all nba he didn't get consideration to win the mvp award but certainly got votes to be you know like to to get on the ballot and and deserved it at that point in 14-15 which was his age 21 season when the pelicans made the playoffs for the first time and he has long been a fantastic transition player which i think is a wonderful fit with James. 
actually pulled this stat for my athletic piece on this trade that last year was the first time in LeBron James career where his team had a below average transition efficiency meaning points per possession in his minutes and so having Davis out there with his ability to run the floor his gravity as as a transition player not only will create a ton of passing lanes for for LeBron but also creates open looks for other people because defenders aren't are going to leave other guys to make sure that Davis is covered so he's going to really change there and, and something that I'm really interested in in this trade especially and we'll get to this with Kyle Kuzma not being included in this trade is the defensive part of this because Davis you know why he is the he was the most highly regarded draft prospect since LeBron James for a reason I think both of us probably felt that way at the time and a part of that was because he had insane offensive ceiling but also had this defensive player of the year game changing defensive potential and and, you know, that hasn't necessarily crystallized all the time in, in New Orleans. There are a bunch of other reasons why the contributing factors, that personnel injuries, everything else. But the Lakers are going to need that from him because he's on a team with very different stakes. And he's on a team, at least as presently constituted, that does not have a lot of very good defensive players. Yeah, I, we, I guess we would talk about the asset play more when we get to the Pelican side of this, uh, since you, you got into it, uh, talking about the basketball aspects. Uh, and they really have, at this point, three rotation players under contract. Kuzma, James, and Davis. Hard to imagine that they're going to use their remaining cap space, something also that we'll get to in a moment, on more guys in the front court. So you have to imagine the starting front court is going to be James at the three, Kuzma at the four, and AD at the five. And then they have no point guard shooting guard backup point guard backup shooting guard backup center or backup forwards really uh, that you can uh, expect to play uh, mo wagner is still under contract isaac bonga jamario jones you know none of those guys even close to being established rotation players uh, at this point that you want to rely on for what they hope will in fact be a championship contender so they've got a lot of work to do in terms of getting shooting and defense on the perimeter around these guys because James and Kuzma that's not a great three and four defensively you don't really have that wing stopper LeBron James is not going to be doing that on a regular basis at this point in his career but now you're because of the fit issues with James and Kuzma at the three and four I mean both those guys are really fours defensively at this point in their career so now you need to get someone at the two who can also play up and guard some of the best threes and then just have I guess James and Kuzma guard whoever's less threatening the two there you know, that's not really ideal. And it is very hard to get in any position guys who can both shoot and defend. I mean, every team wants those players are going to have a ton of competition for those players. They will have starting jobs uh, available to offer. But AD is going to have a lot of work to do defensively here, especially if they're going to find a way to get enough shooting. Kuzma famously only shot 30% on threes. Last year, LeBron actually really increased his three-point shooting to some of the best levels of his career in terms of, of volume. That was a big part of how he was able to maintain his own individual stats while the floor was less space because he was shooting the three ball more we'll see whether that is able to continue for him and who they're going to be able to get in the backcourt and that gets to another aspect of this which is the timing of this trade and how it affects the potential cap space that the lakers will have available if they do it as has been reported as likely on june 6th at that point in time they will just have to trade the number four pick as a pick not as a player bringing ad back in and once you do that because they're taking in more salary than they are sending out it would reduce 
the available cap space so what are the exact numbers there danny as far as whether they consummate this trade on july 6th after the moratorium or they wait 30 days after the earliest that whoever the number four pick is can be signed which is july 1st so uh, to do the the deal on july 30th well just as a point of clarification before i get into that the issue here is about matching salary so basically since the lakers the players that are reportedly in this deal are insufficient matching salary to make the trade work because salaries don't have to be even they just have to be within specified ranges depending on how much money a team is is sending out and everything else so because of that the lakers have to bridge that gap using cap space which thus means that the cap space if the trade is done immediately requires them to lose some cap space because they're using it for that matching for that purpose and the difference is significant not only in terms of value but also in terms of where it fits into the into the system so if they wait to do the trade the number that i've been using is 32 and 32 2.5 2.5 million 32 to spend 32.5 million just so happens to be the amount that you can sign a player to with seven to nine years of experience to a max contract a list that includes Kemba Walker if he doesn't go to the Hornets Jimmy Butler Kawhi Leonard Kyrie a lot of it and so that's 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 the high watermark if they delay the trade use you know that's the most favorable timing for the Lakers yeah if, and, and quickly if they absolutely needed to get to the 32.7 million or it might be a little bit higher too if the cap goes in higher but sure. they would also have more space they, they still have mo wagner making two million and isaac bonga making 1.4 million you if you are able to just trade those guys away maybe using cash as a, an incentive or if a team just likes them and wants to take them on you open up the space between what they're making and the rookie minimum which projects at just under nine hundred thousand for this year so you move bonga you can open up another five hundred thousand in cap space you move wagner you can open up another 1.1 million in cap space so certainly that's a a trade that they could easily do and to open up the 32.7 million should it be required for a a certain player that they want to bring in who demands to getting the absolute max right and that would also create this amazing circumstance where a team would have basically three players and nothing else in the, and in this modern era, remember these rules have shifted a little bit since Miami's three, and it wasn't just the three of them. They had Udonis Haslam and some other stuff. But let's go to the other scenario, and that's the, I'll call it the July 6th version, because July 6th is the day the moratorium ends. In that hypothetical, the Lakers have either, and it's fun that it's an either, 24 or 28 million to work with. And the differentiator there is whether Anthony Davis waves or takes his trade bonus. And so the way a trade bonus works is that if a player takes it, then the trading team, in this case, the Pelicans pays it, but it goes on their books because it's a part of their salary. So you are allowed to waive your trade bonus to facilitate a trade. You can do it for all sorts of, and there are consequences, but the consequences don't really matter here. But yeah, the Pels pay it, but it goes on the Lakers, Lakers books. books. And yeah. since, and since it goes on the Lakers books for a player, they're not doing any, they're not trading, obviously, because it's Anthony freaking Davis, then they don't have that money to spend on other guys. And so if they wait, then Davis can can keep his trade bonus and doesn't matter because they have the matching salary in this circumstance it, it goes against their cap space that's the difference between 24 and 28 and we we don't know yet which one of those there hasn't been any reporting about the bonus but it's also possible that the lakers haven't even had that conversation yet because they don't know if they're going to need it and since the trade cannot be consummated until the sixth on the absolute earliest they can defer that conversation a little bit but the difference between either 24 or 28 million and 32.5 is really important because that you know maybe they could get the same player to say to say yes at the lower number but it's very possible that they that they would not or that they would have less interest and there is not a way really other than trading Wagner and Jones 
and Bonga to create that additional space. So they're basically just losing it due to timing and everything else. But at the same point, especially if it was agreed to with the idea of transpiring on the 6th, the Pelicans don't really have the incentive to facilitate here because they have material losses. Basically, by by waiting on the trade, they lose the ability to kind of have more determination over that four pick, having them play in summer league for them or for another team if they trade it. They also lose cap space functionally because they because they create space in the Anthony Davis trade for the 2019-20 season. And so if the trade doesn't happen for a month, then they don't have that space to work with, at least for that period of time. So it's, it's incumbent upon David Griffin, you know, if that's the way they agreed to the trade, and, and the, the timing is a material term here, you know, it's not like it's in like some sort of contact or the trade call because that's when the trade call occurs but it's really important here and so I would if I were David Griffin and the Lakers say we need this extra stuff so we can sign our player I'd say well then give me something and that could be you know they're already getting so many draft assets that we're getting really close here to the seven-year rule and the Stepien rule and all that kind of fun stuff which we can go into if you want but if I'm Griffin you want you want something to facilitate that because it makes life harder on me yeah and you would have hoped that the Lakers could have negotiated this I mean with this preposterous haul of of picks that they're giving up but not to say that the trade won't work out but this is as mentioned really you know unprecedented in recent nba history to give up this level of draft assets and without protections specifically that you'd have hoped that's something that the lakers could have negotiated another possible way of convincing new Orleans to do it might be if ad wanted to get in and say hey you guys don't have to pay my trade bonus if you want to open up more space doors but that's generally not been the way that clutch does business you remember LeBron back in 2010 took a little bit less than his absolute max to facilitate the Heat, bring in a, a few more players for that 2010 team. Then in 2014, no, I'm not doing that again. I want the absolute max, and he has obviously done everything possible to ma- maximize his own financial contribution and or compensation i should say and so i don't see clutch just having anthony davis give up four million even if it might make the team a, a little bit better and frankly you know what does clutch care if if there's another draft pick out from the lakers earlier it's a or it's a second round or whatever so woge's reporting has been you know at first it was all right it's going to happen on july 6th now there's a possibility perhaps that that could be revisited i, I think also a lot of it's going to depend on what happens with the lakers and free agency if they have say Kemba Walker or Jimmy Butler or Chris Middleton or who knows even Kawhi Leonard they can get someone that good who's going to take up the entire max then maybe there really becomes an impetus for Rob Palinka to say I'll give you some more David Griffin so we can get that extra space but as you mentioned there are a number of reasons why the Pelicans wouldn't want to do that and you know maybe the Lakers feel like fine 23 million in space will be enough here for us to run out the roster if it were me I would have tried to maximize every red cent because as mentioned they have three rotation players under contract and filling out an entire rotation with 23 million dollars and the room exception sure seems like a a difficult task and they had more money than that last year and they weren't able to fill out a a competent rotation with enough shooting and defense to build a team around james obviously now that you got ad that gets a little bit easier so i want to make one point there it does get easier but also remember the ticking clock here because lebron james turns 35 years old 
held in December of this year. So if it takes them some time to, you know, like, like remember in Miami, they added players with the mid-level exception over a few years and were substantially deeper in their, let's say their second championship team than that first year when they lost to the Mavericks. Well, at that point, LeBron James is, you know, if it takes a couple years, he's 36, 37 years old. So there is a real, there is a real weight on this situation and a, a need not only to attack aggressively early, but also to make the right moves early because it is exceedingly hard to pivot. So another thing, obviously, to consider from the Lakers perspective here, and this, of course, will be in the mind of Lakers fans the last time they found themselves in this position with a star in his 30s with the ticking clock, another star in his 20s brought in a, a center to be the foundation of the team as a, that star in his 30s aged out to continue to be competitive while Dwight Howard went through a year with the Lakers. The extension rules were not favorable to him. They are not favorable to Davis. It's already been reported that he will not sign an extension. There's been, Albert Namada has talked about this, how there's an ability to renegotiate him and then extend him six months later and he might actually make a little bit more money that way. Uh, but doesn't sound like ad and his representation are interested in that there's been even talk that they want to go with the the one plus one type of or maybe a two plus one to get him to the 10 years with ad considering his stature at this point in time it might make sense to do that that's obviously the playbook that they followed with james as well but there still is a possibility that ad could leave now him having the same agent as lebron the fact that they've done all of these crazy machinations to get him to the lakers i mean who knows maybe he could leave leave rich paul if he doesn't want to stay with lebron but it it's so nothing is certain but this is about as certain as you can be when acquiring a guy like this with one year left on his contract that he's going to stick around and obviously the package that the lakers gave up reflects that uh and that's why they're willing to give up so much even though an extension can't technically be signed you imagine that unless something absolutely crazy happens uh, that ad will be staying there as the centerpiece of the lakers uh, for many years to come and obviously james now will see how, how good he is this year coming off that groin injury going to turn 35 during the season let's talk now about what else the lakers can do i mean let's start with the 32.7 million dollar option even though it appears that that's unlikely the way it's going to turn out as of now but it still remains a possibility who is your let's say Kawhi leonard is off the board he's obviously clearly the number one target clay and kd they've got the injuries doesn't sound like kd is interested in coming there clay assuming he's going to resign with the Warriors who is your number one target out of the remaining players on the market at this point in time if you're the Lakers the contenders would be Kyrie Irving Kemba Walker Jimmy Butler Chris Middleton I think that's probably the whole list because Horford doesn't particularly make sense when you already have AD and LeBron I mean he's an awesome player but just not a particularly great fit so I mean Kyrie's my number one point guard of that group and then Butler would be my number one wing though I mean there's an argument Middleton off Offensively, might be a better fit just because he can do more off ball. I just like, I, I think Butler's defense could be an important part there. <sighs> I think I would go with Kyrie. And the reason why is having that second dynamic ball handler, you know, like Anthony Davis is, a, is an awesome offensive player. And I think that can be underappreciated, yeah. but having somebody who can run actions, you know, if a team's throwing a ton of guys at LeBron and can create offense, can get his one-on-one is just such an important differentiator that I, I'm going to go with Kyrie. Kyrie over over Jimmy and he, I mean there's also all yeah. the fast well, well he's probably the best player of the guy I would I would agree and, and and their injury kind of injury durability concerns with all of 
these guys. Yeah. So except Middleton, Middleton, except Middleton. Middleton. Well, I guess Middleton had that big hamstring in- mm-hmm. injury. Yeah, but I, I'm not as concerned. I'm not as concerned about that as I am yeah. Kyrie stuff and and Jimmy Butler's. You know the the wear that he has by being worked so hard, and he he's missed time due to injury numerous times in the past. So I would go with Kyrie. How about you? Yeah, I think that's uh, that's clearly it. And and you know it seems like Kyrie and the Nets are arm in arm at this point in time, but it supposedly it hasn't been ruled out uh, that Irving could go to the Lakers. He did have that publicized reconciliation with LeBron. You didn't mention Kemba Walker at all. I, you know, I think Kemba is a very good fit offensively. And you make a great point there that, you know, I was talking about shooting in defense, but you also really need one more ball handler on the perimeter too. I mean, you can't just have one guy on the whole team who can run a pick and roll. I mean, what do you do when LeBron sits? Uh, LeBron and AD, if they're the four and the five, you know, you might be able to switch actions with those guys because the, the guys are big enough uh, and especially if there's not that much spacing whereas you know if you have someone like Kyrie and he runs a pick and roll with AD uh, then you're not necessarily going to be able to switch that obviously so Walker though I think I really worry about his defense and his durability at 29 as a short point guard as well so Middleton might be outside of Kyrie would probably be my number one target uh, just because he provides pretty decent defense and you know obviously outstanding shooting ability and so for he's not a better player than maybe jimmy butler is but he's also younger at 27 more durable and a much much better fit and middleton can do uh, is a solid passer he can do some pick and roll operation on the perimeter as well now there hasn't really been maybe it'll change now that ad is there but it seemed to be a pretty obvious understanding that the lakers weren't getting the top free agents on the market tobias harris also another guy who doesn't really make much sense for them either let's say either and they end up with the 23 million dollar in cap space route they do it on july 6th or they can't get one of the stars to come and so now you're talking about having to fill out just a more of a normal rotation who comes to mind there for you uh and and remember again what they're going to need they're going to need shooting guard point guard backups at those positions backup four backup center but really i mean starting point guard starting shooting guard are, are the biggest needs to be sure unless someone above them in the pecking order is willing to take a pay cut which is possible but seems really unlikely especially if we're talking about that 24 million dollar figure i would i think the most likely the best option here is actually to split it with a couple of ways depending on you know who's willing to take the money i would be at the two looking at somebody like danny green i think yeah. green's i mean he he's the, the the archetype there for sure but the fact that he can't dribble is is a little bit of a bummer it is that, that and is... he's 32 also so are you yeah. gonna go four years three Three years for Danny Green, like the the there are a lot of guys out here who can help them, but the question of exactly what their market is going to be is a fascinating one. At this right? Point. Yeah, I mean KCP is a great example there. I mean I have no idea what his market is. He's one of the hardest guys for me to calibrate in the entire league. And yeah, and you said Danny Green. Also, strangely, Danny Green, former teammate of LeBron James, a lifetime and a half ago, back when he washed out of Cleveland before he ended up in San oh, God, Antonio. Yeah. And at the point guard spot, I don't like Ricky Rubio there. That exactly exacerbates a lot of the issues that they've had previously so then you're really getting into the like fringe starter rotation conversation unless and this is an amazing possibility d'angelo russell gets his qualifying offer withdrawn and then oh he would be he would be a terrible fit i agree Uh, i I mean it's been talked about and i think you know there's probably not as much bitterness there as when he was traded with magic being gone and obviously a lot of the guys that he offended with that nick young thing are gone too but i mean as another guy a guy who can't play defense on the perimeter i think that could be a right and, and could be a problem there's a difference between players who are capable ball 
handlers and players who are ball dominant. And I think that could end up being a problem with Russell. Russell's always conceptually been a, a, an intu- a logical off ball guy because he can shoot, but I've still never really seen it enough to believe it that even playing with playing with LeBron might be different just because it's it's LeBron James. But so then at the point guard spot, you're really looking down a tier and Darren Collison, Rancho Cucamonga product. So maybe he's willing to take a discount to go there and start on the Lakers. Corey Joseph. Did you say Pat Beverly? He was going to be my next guy. Yeah. Pat Beverly. Beverly would be interesting and kind of bridges some of those gaps. Defensive identity can can hit open shots can handle the ball when necessary, but is not ball dominant. I think he could be a pretty, pretty good fit. And maybe at point guard, what, what they end up doing in that narrower path is take a couple bites at the apple and just hope that at least one of them works, you know, hope that yeah. they can find it. Well, I mean, a... the, they're, uh, they don't exactly have the, the biggest bites to take with no, the, they the, do not. the limitations in their cap space. So, but, but that's kind of why, you know, if you could take two lower cost ones and use more of your money at the two, just because you might, your money might go a little bit further there. That's a possibility. But yeah, I mean, these are these are really tough decisions and remember how quickly they're going to have to pivot and make all these moves because all their half the league is going to be free agents this year and teams are going to be losing space and having more than they know what to do with basically every every hour and so getting value in that market is going to be challenging other than on the minimum where they can get a ton of value but remember they're not just getting you know gap fillers they're getting starters with the money that they have available like that they have to they have if, if they're going to be a championship contender and remember they're because of anthony davis and everything else the lakers are not going to have more than the mid-level exception maybe they get the biannual one year depending on how the, the their money expands in future years but basically it's mid-level exceptions from here on out and that means you need to get these decisions right because they aren't going to get another chance yeah and when you consider that you know the option of the one-year deals roll it over when you consider some of the raises that are coming in for ad for lebron they would have one more cheap year of kuzma next next year so maybe there's a thought that 2020 you might be able to use cap space again but it's going to be not as much i think it's a worse free agent class where they'll have more competition in terms of the money out there if they do try to go the one year out so at least the one advantage that they'll have over some of these past iterations like last summer for example is they won't be limited to one year deals they can actually offer more years on some of these and that'll might provide them a a way to get a little bit of an advantage and there's always there's a possibility too at some point in the future of trading kuzma i don't really like kuzma's fit that much i mean they do need more semi-perimeter scoring but kuzma you really got to hope the shooting comes around but he's not great there and he's not amazing on the defensive end either he just doesn't have the tools really to be a solid defender and so well on that uh, point could you imagine a circumstance that the pelicans asked for kuzma the lakers said no we want to keep him and then griffin asked for a significantly stronger overall return than how they valued kuzma because it was clear that the lakers really wanted him in because that's how i think this happened uh i would imagine so uh, as well and kuzma i think it might be one of the more or i should say overrated players in the league just especially with this core you know like because what kuzma brings i like his skill level i've been you know his footwork especially for a player at his level of experience with the nba though he came into the league as an older 
rookie was really impressive but you know as a, as a like kind of a lower end option offensively you know like just because you have these other much better offensive players and very limited defensively in terms of tools and actualized you know effort all that kind of stuff he doesn't fit particularly well with this team and so it could be another one of those circumstances of like oh he's a laker he has you know he he has the kind of the right the right intangibles or whatever for this team but the tangibles matter the intangibles matter and i just if that happened it would be kind of a not a canary in the coal mine because kuzma is a, a talented player but an indicator that remember this is rob polinka who has to figure out how to build around lebron james and anthony davis in this circumstance so they need to get this right yeah and so but you know maybe they have the option of, of moving kuzma in the future i, I as a you oh said, one I, other point there yeah because kuzma makes so little money matching salaries the options that they have in terms of adding talent are complicated there especially if they want somebody yeah. who's more on lebron's part of the cycle because they they also have no filler salary now oh and one other small point i want to make on on this just because i'm me is i understood it at the time because he left so much money on the table but we even talked about this and i talked about it in my writing at the time that there was a possibility that stretching wall dang was going to end up burning the lakers because that creates an immovable obligation in this case of five million dollars and yes dang's contract especially at its full value would have been a significant negative but at least it would have been flexible and in this case they have like having that five million just sitting there it hurts yeah and it could have potentially been matching salary now some of these guys that they sign right now after december 15th that could end up being matching salary if you wanted to attach them to kuzma to potentially get an upgrade going through some of the other i don't think we mentioned george hill's name yet he's another one but age 33 certainly an injury risk played really the best that he's played in over two years in the playoffs for milwaukee but he's going to get waived by milwaukee because he's due that that 18 million not many other point guards on the market who can both shoot and defend at the two jj reddick has certainly been talked about it seems like he's relatively ensconced on the east coast but you never know how it's going to turn out in terms of the money that'll be available to him in philly what's going to happen with jimmy butler and tobias harris there how many years reddick wants he's 35 this offseason you mentioned kcp potentially coming back further down the list terrence ross comes to mind as a shooter though he brings some defensive problems i think west matthews would actually be a nice fit there because he might allow them to do some more switching he's tough holds up in the post he's not incredibly fast himself but he can stay in front of most guys decently enough and he can battle he's tough so if you wanted to start doing some more switching you know maybe two through five ad certainly capable of switching as well and even though that there'll be some weak things as far as individual defenders they at least all have size with that group so might be possible to do there uh iman shumpert old lebron james teammate another injury risk potentially and uh, another thing they might do too is if they don't bring in the one max guy you can leave reggie bullock on your books 4.7 million is his cap hold but they'll have full bird rights on him and so you keep that 4.7 on the books uh, and then you could bring him back you could even give him a one-year balloon payment uh, see how, how that works out so he's someone that that i probably would expect them to really prioritize i mean who knows but he might start at the two and he's got some some three and d ability seth curry wayne ellington garrett temple i'm happy you brought up temple he was a guy that i was circling yeah uh, 
Avery Bradley probably going to get waived in Memphis uh, you would imagine um Jeremy Lamb could be a one-year prove-it type of guy where I mean yeah having I, I think he'll he'll have more money on the table but he could just see the opportunity of starting at the two for the Lakers as as a huge opportunity yeah now restricted free agents unless they get their qualifying offer pulled and become unrestricted as you mentioned it could happen with Russell if the Nets sign Kyrie and bring in some other guys as well that seems uh, like they're not going to be able to do that they just aren't gonna be able to wait until July 8th to find things out but at, at the three Boyan Bogdanovich has been mentioned he could bring in again some of the same thought with Wes Matthews of all right maybe not the quickest guy individually but he's big and strong enough to switch certainly has the shooting ability but I think he's gonna have some big offers some big three and four year offers the Pacers are gonna want to bring him back uh his cap hold there is a little bit smaller than what they can pay him so even though they're gonna use cap space they could maybe bring him back as well old friend Trevor Ariza who the Lakers were linked to uh, back when he was being traded from Phoenix Damari Carroll I mean there are players out there it's just hey you spend 10 million there uh, 10 million there and now you're out of space basically and you know have you really gotten when we talk about how getting a real quality starter at a position is you're talking about a 15 million dollar a year multi-year contract okay you got room for one guy like that and then you're going with stop gaps the rest of the way and then you get the room exception and a bunch of minimums um you know clearly backup center they're probably going to just have to go the straight up minimum route hopefully they won't use the room exception uh, on a backup center at least one good thing about this trade is that ad almost certainly will be playing center he seems to have finally accepted that uh, as is a lot in life now uh, as a, because and if you do that then you're pushing kuzma to the bench if you bring in another center to start with ad and lebron and it wouldn't surprise me if they use some some resources on a center who can play with davis as well just to reduce his workload there but you're you need to start and close games with davis at the five yeah david grandman did say that he spoke to some people in the lakers organization i think this might have been pre-ad trade that uh brooke lopez might be someone they would look to bring back and lopez would be a pretty nice fit with this group but then it just you know you've got these resources tied up in kuzma just in terms of like the value on your team and so are you now going to bring him off the bench again after he was the guy you insisted on holding on to in the trade i mean the josh hart being in this trade i think it is a big deal now i know hart struggled last year and had those knee issues and so his star has fallen to some degree but i think you can still make an argument that hart could have been more valuable to this team than kuzma just because of the fit now kuzma i know he averaged 18 a game but it was you know that's about all he does is score and you know this team they've got plenty of score and they got two guys who are going to average like 28 a game on this team well I, th- I think we're getting close to the end of the lakers thing but one other point i want to bring up is that if we're talking title contention for this team i think an important lens to to think about is basically in the modern era in order to be a championship contender a team needs to be elite on one end of the floor and at least very good on the other end ideally better than very good if they if they can work their way now that can be an elite defense and then getting there on offense but usually more often it's an elite offense and then getting there on defense and that's going to be a challenge for these lakers because we don't know necessarily who that team is going to be but to expect that threshold to drop significantly to get all the way to a championship now to get to the finals could be lower especially with the warriors next year being so injured but that's a good way of thinking about championship contention and it's going to take a lot for the lakers to get into that rarefied air yeah and we'll see what they do uh, to fill out but uh, even with lebron and ad i'm not sure i would go far enough yet to make them the west's favorites until we see how they fill things out and you know they we have one data point that they have failed to build a coherent team around a superstar so we'll see what happens next year before we move on to the pels aspect of this want to tell you about hims a one-stop shop for hair loss skin care and sexual wellness for men thanks to science and hims baldness can be optional 
original treatments work much better as a preventative measure when i was about 25 i realized that i was starting to lose some of my hair so i started taking finasteride back then you had to get the name brand and it was really expensive and you had to go with these in-person doctor's visits and a lot of times i just would wait a couple of months because i didn't want to deal with that it was really expensive but with hymns available at forhims.com slash capspace f-r-h-i-m-s.com slash capspace they'll connect you to real doctors online totally confidential totally discreet answer a few quick questions a doctor will review it and if it's right for you they can prescribe medication to treat hair loss and ship it directly to your door him sells a complete hair kit and you can get started with it for just five dollars while supplies last and subject to doctor's uh, approval restrictions apply see the website for full details but it's far less expensive in both time and money than going to a conventional doctor or pharmacy the way to get started with them again for hims.com slash cap space user owner slash cap space we've been talking about it constantly here as we head into this offseason that's forhims.com slash cap space for hims.com slash cap space and don't forget that slash cap space url to let them know that you came from us so i want to get back to just the overall asset play here and number four pick in 2019 okay maybe we'll discount a little bit because a lot of people think it's a three-player draft i think it's a two-player draft at least as far as the real awesome sure thing top of the draft guys not that there won't be good players elsewhere but as far as guys that you're really excited about bringing in it's williamson and morant to me but still number four pick and that's a pick that you know what it is most of these trades have been future picks where yeah it might have some upside but a lot of times there's either protection or you just don't know it's gonna be that is a dead hard target number four pick quite valuable and then you have that 2021 first that becomes unprotected in 2022 the year of the double draft most likely by the way they haven't reached agreement on that yet but that is probably going to be the first year that high schoolers are back in the draft so you're going to be a lot of depth in that draft then you can swap in 2023 most people would say oh the lakers are going to be way better than the pels by then ah we'll see uh and then there's that 2024 first round pick with the option to defer to 2025 first time in a very long time at least in my lifetime of saying the cba that a first round pick i think you had to go back to the late 90s but a first round pick being deferred the deferment rule is a little different there you can only defer it one year now but so basically the pels can see what number that 2024 first round pick comes in at and if it's you know number 22 or something they say hey we're just going to defer to 2025 or if it's a really good draft in 24 and it's not a good draft in 25 they can use it then the last deferment of any pick that i could find is that the mavericks actually had the option with golden state's pick in the second round to either be 19 or 20 they'll probably defer it to 2020 now with all the injuries uh i actually i should probably check whether they've actually done that but that was for the andrew bogut trade the offloading andrew bogut to create the cap space to sign one kevin durant uh, ironically enough i mean this is a haul right like go back and compare some of these other trades jimmy and and this is you know ad is probably you would say Kawhi is better than ad when he was traded but he was coming off a year of you didn't know what his health situation was going to be it only played nine games the previous year you didn't know whether he was going to be the same guy turns out he was almost as good as he was in 2017 this year maybe even better offensively but raps didn't know that at the time jimmy butler going to the wolves Zach Levine, Chris Dunn, number seven overall pick that became Larry Markkinen. Markkinen is looking like a pretty good number seven overall pick, but that wasn't necessarily known at the time that he would turn out that well. So that's, I mean, that's way below this. And Butler had two years left on his contract. Kyrie, number eight pick. Jay Crowder, a quality starter on a good contract. Isaiah Thomas, who, you know, I think probably people knew that he was pretty done uh, when he was traded. Maybe didn't know that he was done, but that he wouldn't be, you know, a superstar type of player in Cleveland 
Paul George, Victor Oladipo making $20 million and Demonte Sabonis. I mean, that at the time, you know, Sabonis was coming off a terrible rookie year and Oladipo is looking like he wouldn't be worth his contract. Now, if you go back and say Oladipo was a, was a superstar two years ago, that looks a lot better. But at the time, did not look that great uh, for Paul George. Again, George not quite at the stature of, of AD. So, and and then even the uh, Chris Tapps Porzingis trade is another one. Porzingis, a restricted free agent. So you've got, you know, you've got him going forward if you want him. But that one, the two first-round picks, not a ton of protection on those. And then also taking on Tim Hardaway's contract, which was at least worth one first-round pick, if not more. And then you throw in Ball and Ingram, which you know your mileage will vary on how good you think those guys are. I think this was much more about the draft picks than it was about Ball and Ingram, frankly. But I mean, this is an absolute haul. And it is a bet by David Griffin that the Lakers' future is not as rosy as they themselves would like it to believe it is going to be agreed i want to actually before i get into that throw one more other trade in there because i think this one is is pertinent and that is the james harden trade and so the harden trade was kevin martin a just drafted lottery pick jeremy lamb steve and then then two first round picks that eventually not at the time became stephen adams and mitch mcgarry and then they got a second rounder and so you know that's another high value but remember harden hadn't proven it nearly to the extent that anthony davis has and was a a pending restricted he, he was extension eligible at that time ended up getting an extension which looked fantastic for the Rockets because Harden blossomed into an MVP. And the return here, as you said, it's it's fascinating. So on the already drafted player side, there is a, a genuine concern from, from my point, from my part, that it is value that is hard to actualize. And what I mean by that is Ingram, well, Hart, not as much, and Ball are talented players who do not necessarily fit with my vision of a, of a Zion Williamson team. They're both players who are significantly more valuable with the ball than with without it. I was shocked when we watched Zion's film at how dynamic he was with the ball in his hands. And I mean, Ingram being a reluctant shooter, Lonzo being an awful shooter at this point in his career. Those things are really significant, but two things. One, they could theoretically move those players and maybe if another team is a better fit for them or or is just willing to pay more for them, they can do that. And the second thing is they got so much draft capital that they can end up getting less from those players from Ball, Kuzma, and Ingram than many anticipate and still have this be a valuable trade yeah i think that's a, a great point and we'll talk more about their their offseason in a future episode maybe try to spitball some trades for number four which it looks like they're moving right now they're mocked as taking Jarek culver which uh given our opinion on him would uh take a little bit out of the wind of the uh from the sales of this trade i don't think culver is a very good fit with zion personally either and certainly going forward the pals are going to have some of the same problems that the lakers did with ball and ingram not being able to shoot you know i think josh hart was a uh, an undervalued part of this trade and i think he can be a wonderful fit with zion going forward he's big enough to do some switching pretty good shooter also has flashed some pick and roll ability on occasion mostly in summer league you know he wasn't asked to do that that much and he of course he had those knee issues last year so i mean that's another part of this too is just ingram the party line is well you know it was just a structural issue that was causing his uh dvt and now he's going to be fine you know it's not a chris bosh type of clotting issue where you know it's more due to the problems in his circulatory system overall ball it was reported today as uh om young had had a piece where he interviewed lavar ball at the drew league and uh 
LeVar, in theory, didn't say this, but uh, he interviewed him on the record for a bunch of other things. And then he was like, oh, by the way, a source said. So uh, put the, put those together. But uh, Lonzo was due to begin contact drills just next month. So, I mean, this is another six months that Lonzo will have just been out. Uh, but it, now that they've got Aaron Nelson with, with the Pels training staff, hopefully they'll do a much better job than what we've seen for the Lakers. They can get Lonzo healthy. I mean, that's been a big part, of course, of why Lonzo uh, has disappointed. Then Hart, of course, has the said the knee issues well i mean he had a 12-week rehabilitation so he's probably not even over that yet uh, when that surgery was announced they still got each one more on this team as well solomon hill man eh, maybe he'll be a stretch candidate depending on what they want to do uh, with cap space uh, i mean i think there will be a temptation to try to get good right away but it, uh, ball and ingram in particular i mean if these are going to be foundational pieces with zion that's tough i mean they're just they got to get you know you could maybe have one of those guys but the thought was to play Giannis style with four shooters around zion and that's not the way that they are trending in the slightest right now so uh i mean i do think they could be very good defensively ingram has taken some strides there ball and drew holiday excellent defenders we'll see i mean zion i think it's going to take a while to get there defensively but it, maybe eventually he can i think we're a little lower or at least i am a little lower on his defense than some people who see him as like this switch monster right away or, or a great rim protector right away and then a question becomes are you going to bring in a center they've got christian wood jaleel okafor is the only options there under contract more i think can, can still be a pretty nice piece as well especially with ingram's ability to handle the ball he, he can shoot and defend on the perimeter and they should have about 20 million or so in cap space to work with here also to try to bring some guys in on the backup guard line get a center and maybe one more shooter and so we'll see what what that team looks like i mean it's really a lot of variable performance there and then you know who they, who they draft at number four they draft garland they draft culver do they move the pick and bring in a veteran maybe you can attach Solomon Hill's salary there as well to bring back in a, a pretty high salary guy but we'll talk more about exactly what that is when we do their offseason preview in the next couple of days or so well so something else I want to talk about from the Pelicans perspective of this deal is the asset play in terms of the Lakers so I, I want to start with the swap rights because I think that's a good way of thinking about this so with swap rights really what you're betting on is positive or negative impacts that were you know they could they could be unlikely it depends on the circumstance but yes it's entirely possible that in the 22-23 season the lakers are a meaningfully better team than the pels absolutely possible but maybe somebody gets hurt maybe there's a departure maybe the pelicans are way better than we anticipate and well, well an ad and lebron at least in the regular season which determines what your draft pick is like those guys haven't been like regular season warriors here either right right exactly and so what happens with the pick swap is that the team that has the swap gets the benefit of basically every piece of variance because if they end up being worse than expected they keep their pick if they end up being better than expected maybe there's a swap if, if the other team ends up being worse than expected they get the benefit of a superior pick and that's you know, it might not be a lot of chances because it might be a series of low odd things just being added together, but it's an important consideration. And so they have that. Then also by virtue of the structuring of the deferral and the protection on the reverse protection on the front end, they're basically getting two bites at the apple each of those times. So the fir- in 2021, if the Lakers end up sucking enough that the pick ends up being really good, they get it then. If not, it's unprotected in the double draft. And then with 24-25, it's going to be Griffin or his successors evaluating 
evaluation of which of those picks is a better asset, which they can make with the knowledge of where that pick, the 2024 pick ends up, which is extremely valuable information. That could be lottery luck. That could be just how the season goes, how the Pelican situation is as well. And something else, I mean, I've thought, talked about this a fair amount in terms of the Sixers and some of the assets that they've had over the years is it's a great way having having another team's assets, especially when they're unprotected. Boston reveled in this over the last few years. It gives you avenues to improve that your own success, should it come to pass, does not weaken. So Boston, you know, having those much better years while the Nets were so bad, that made Boston's own picks worse. But they still had these other picks from the Brooklyn Nets that allowed them to get Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, all these other players. And so it allowed them to build an asset base. And Philly shed some of that, a lot of that in their trades this year. But that was something that I was so excited about for them. And New Orleans is not in the same place at this juncture that those that the Sixers are now or that the Celtics were when when they were really cooking. But it's a nice little piece to have in your back pocket that even if the Lakers are more likely to succeed than the Nets, and even if the Pelicans aren't in the same place, well, if somebody gets hurt, if disaster strikes them, you get the benefit there. And I think that's really powerful. Yeah, it is. And history coming full circle in some degree here for the Pels. And you remember when they got AD, number one overall pick in 2012, they had just traded Chris Paul a bit ago. They had Eric Gordon. They had uh, that Minnesota pick that had been out there forever. That eventually became Austin Rivers, number 10 that year in 2012. But they used up their cap space pretty quickly. They traded a, a future first to, to get Drew Holiday. And really, by 2013, they were really out of any kind of future assets. Obviously, Gordon succumbed to injuries, didn't want to be there as well. They had a lot of injuries going forward and certainly did a lot of things that, that didn't work out that well. But now, especially because these picks are so far out in the future and they got david griffin instead of tell temps too and it seems like a more committed owner and just a generally a, a more modern operation now that they can hopefully avoid a repeat of what happened with ad where now you've got zion hopefully he becomes as good as ad they'd be very lucky if that happens as good as zion is looking right now ad is a you know a top five top 10 player in the nba for a long time but now they've got these assets going out in the future to where even when you're talking about zion you know three years from now is an inflection point right of okay zion is still relatively cheap we can probably have a chance to use uh, some cap space you know drew holiday we'll see what happens with him i mean i think he he's a very interesting potential inflection point as well because of his age his clear value to other teams not necessarily being as much on the timeline with zion we'll see how good how quickly zion is but it's really a much better position to be in now where you have these young stars hopefully uh, who you know whoever the number four pick is as well though in theory they can get another pick that could be a part of their core coming up here with their own pick this season depending on how many games they win maybe they get some lottery luck again but they won't be in that same position as ad where it's like oh man two years into his career we're kind of locked in here we don't really have much flexibility and now we're just chasing short-term upgrades the whole time so hopefully the zion era will be much more positive and forward-looking than the ad era was for new world incidentally i think that works as a, a point to shift to the other team in this because the Lakers are probably going to be pretty pretty tied in and then their their incentives here and so by New Orleans having those assets 
depending on when different elements turn for the Lakers, it's possible. I wouldn't necessarily say it's probable, but it's possible for New Orleans to reap the benefits. Now, LeBron, I'll use 23 and 25 because those are the later end of those two picks. For the season in question that leads to that pick, LeBron will be, I think it's 37. 38 and 38 and 40. Yeah. Yeah. And so those are, that's remarkable. And so, yes, Davis is on, is much younger. You know, he, he's on earlier on the successor. If they use their cap space this year on unrestricted free agents, those players are going to be older than Davis, probably late twenties is that that's generally the way it works for when players hit unrestricted free agency, whether it's this year or next year. So it's entirely possible. And I think this is a great piece of negotiating from David Griffin that the Lakers are very good for the next couple of years. And there's a distinct possibility that they're very good beyond that. They have a player in Davis that I think you could, that you can build around in, in different iterations, but it becomes less certain both due to age and health for LeBron James, one of the best players in the world, and just overall circumstances. And so New Orleans having these assets so far out is important because by that point, maybe even Davis isn't on the team anymore. I mean, this goes back to remember the Cavs were still getting assets from Miami when LeBron was back in Cleveland. Like, yeah, or, or LeBron. I mean, he's only got two years left. Too. Right. So so you have, so I think that's, we don't, we won't know for a long time how good those are, but I think there's a, there's an over-reliance on, oh, well, we'll see where it goes in terms of analysis as just a value play. This is a reasonable gamble. That doesn't mean it's going to work out just like the Nets could have been better than the Celtics anticipated. But, and I, I think the Lakers are going to be a shitload better than the Nets ended up being. But as just like a, a as, as a proposition, sure, you can make that bet, especially because it doesn't impact your your own picks. If you're good, then, then you're good. And if you're bad, then your picks will be fine. Another observation here, around the time of 2016, 2017, when the cap was going up, but the CBA hadn't adjusted yet to increase the salaries of draft picks, teams were really stingily holding on to first round picks and now we've seen trades philly with the tobias harris trade dallas with the porzingis trade this trade where teams are now firing away multiple first round picks into the future i mean that was and maybe it was the brooklyn trade that kind of encouraged teams to not do that the fact that draft picks are so much cheaper now you know you've made the point a number of times that your first round number one overall pick and even guys going for number five you know those guys are making eight to ten million dollars by the end of their rookie contract so that that i think is part of it too but i think there's just an overall yin and yang of oh we can't get rid of these things ah these things aren't really worth that much anyway you know yeah uh, it, but, it's it's what's going to get a gm fired basically is, is it giving up a f- unprotected first round pick or is it not acquiring that star yeah and clearly the lakers felt like we just we have to get ad we're not going to get the free agent to come here this offseason maybe if we get ad now we'll get him but it's clear that they felt like they had to do this and this was a much better deal than the pelicans could have gotten i mean maybe kuzma might have been it but i you know i don't value him as much as a lot of people do uh in back in february and yeah magic resigned del dumps got fired but now then both these teams had the lottery luck the lakers in particular have this number four pick that they can transfer along and probably a willingness to do more in terms of trading draft picks into the future and you know again the lack of protection is uh you know and the fact that the protection is even in favor of the pelicans it's it's even better than a lack of protection uh with that uh 2021 pick because they want to shunt it into that double draft year unless it's going to be top eight so that's going to be something to watch in the future if teams are going to get more aggressive trading first round picks in the future i could see the warriors being another team that it it might look to be aggressive trading first round picks in the future especially that 2020 pick may be one that could have some value with some of the guys who are injured now another thing we got to talk about though and a good way to transition to it is the idea of okay the lakers were desperate to get ad and the pels were kind of putting this deadline on of our 
right we we want to get this done before the draft so we've got number four we can either trade it or we can get those guys in at number four which they might not have been able to do before they actually acquired the pick as far as working them out the reporting indicated that it was really down to the celtics and the lakers that the clippers and nets weren't able to get any traction i think when the nets made those trades or, or that trade with alan crab and gave up first rounders going in the future that indicated that they weren't going to be a part of this the clippers supposedly weren't willing to include shade gilgis alexander and ad then had trimmed his list to simply the knicks and the lakers the knicks with the kd torn achilles all of a sudden them bringing in ad wasn't nearly as realistic because having ad come in and then them just sucking next year because they had nothing around him wasn't going to be a, a great look obviously the lakers have lebron makes that a lot easier and the knicks i mean don't have any anyone even as good as kuzma under contract right now so that left the celtics and there were post facto reporting from ramona shelburne that there were discussions that included jalen Brown and jason tatum i don't know about at the same time but that those guys were included mark stein saying no uh there was not a conception of the deal where tatum was in it but given the haul that they got from the lakers i think any reasonable package that the celtics would have given up considering the questions about ad being willing to resign and rich paul's specific statements that he would not resign in boston really made it that the celtics just weren't even going to be, be able to compete if the lakers were going to go to this level and maybe you can criticize the lakers for not playing quite enough hardball given the fact that there is always going to be a ceiling on this celtics offer due to the market chilling that rich paul had engaged in but i mean this to me far out distances any realistic package i mean for the celtics maybe you could say okay jason tatum should have been in it and then you know we weren't really going to put much else in. maybe we would have had to put smart in to fill salary and that's all you're going to get you know i think that's the most they realistically prudently could have gone without any kind of thought that ad would even consider resigning there do you agree with that that this this lakers package is just so far beyond what the celtics could have offered i'll phrase it a different way danny ainge is too competent a general manager to make a trade that would have beaten the lakers offer well and okay if they were going to go with future picks they at least would have protected it right, right I mean, they, exactly they that's they what never, i'm getting at like they wouldn't never they, would do this. they wouldn't have done unprotected swaps and you know like reverse protection and all of these things that are incredibly pelicans friendly on it on and remember granted there's the the question mark in terms of anthony davis's future with the celtics had that trade happen but the lakers have an older core than the celtics do so it's a different bet to say hey they could be bad five years from now than to say boston will be especially when you also consider the organizational health stuff which runs against the lakers too like you're betting on them drafting well and signing good players and they're training staff doing a good job whereas the Celtics you know they've done a lot of those things right over the years so betting against the Lakers organization is another factor in this so yeah I, I think that's there and so the Celtics you know now the all this this asset pool they have you know it looks like at least for right now those are just going to be players on the roster not that there's anything wrong with that Jalen Brown Jason Tatum very good basketball players and the Nets pick didn't you know they got Kyrie Irving out of it we'll see how that actualizes but I mean they got two years of Kyrie Irving and another point here that that I think is, is interesting is you and I talked in various other iterations. I actually, as mentioned on the, the Thursday night real gym, or sorry, on the Thursday night dunked on about how the Kawhi Leonard return was uninspiring for us. And like we talked about that, that we thought Paul George was traded for too little at the time and some of these other ones. Yeah. And it seemed like the trend was going that the, you're getting less and less every time you trade one of these guys. Well, not this time. And, and so no. that, and so that leads to the question of did maybe those other teams get a little bit stingy 
Genji in those other negotiations, not necessarily in this one, that the basically not calibrating that the star price was unreasonably low then. And it's possible that the AD trade is the one that looks like the aberration in time. I expect that to par- at least partially be true. But at a certain juncture, you know, if you pass on, you know, including your best players and all these other things, and then you, like in the Celtics case, you might lose the, you might lose your chance of contention. Now, it might end up being worth it if Tatum and Brown end up being the foundation of the next great Celtics team. But that gets into a challenge here. I mean, we talked about that with the Sixers and the Kawhi Leonard thing that they and they ended up giving up a ton of assets for other players who weren't as good as Kawhi Leonard. And so where where did the Celtics go? I think that's a it's a little bit more stark of a picture, except that they're a good organization. But, you know, like how how are these other trades going to go in the future is another fascinating question, because there are always going to be star players that want to be other places. Yeah. And for Boston, Jimmy Butler, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, and now AD, they didn't get any of those guys. They did get Kyrie Irving, who ostensibly wanted to be there. But you know, Irving, of course, shows the risk too. Not, I mean, they still won that trade, even if he leaves, I would say. But to have gotten two years out of him. But, you know, he's likely to be gone if all the reporting is to be believed. And there is a big difference here in that George, you know, I don't know if there was like, oh, he really wants to be in Boston. Kyrie, in theory, wanted to be in Boston when he got traded there. Uh, Kawhi, you know, didn't really have much interest in Boston. Obviously, AD said he didn't want to be in Boston either. So maybe you could say that the Celtics would need to find a way to be more aggressive to find guys who are just under contract for longer but those guys typically teams don't want to trade those guys so you know would they want to be aggressive going after say a Drew Holiday who's got three years left on his contract right now that type of a player or or, tr- or it, trying to find the next James Harden when the Rockets yeah. quite him but those trades are really hard to find yeah. and hard to well to make Por- Porzingis you know they certainly if they had been interested in Porzingis yeah they probably could have beaten uh Dallas's offer you'd say but again Dallas threw in some relatively low protected picks and took on some bad salary with the Celtics couldn't really do uh so I don't know I I mean I think George and Kawhi are the two that they probably should have been more aggressive on Jimmy Butler there's a thought that he didn't want to play with Gordon Hayward you remember Paul George too they kind of wanted the Pacers to wait until they signed Hayward because it would have been easier similar to how uh, the Lakers conundrum this year uh, as far as the timing uh, on the AD trade and maximizing their cap space uh, around that but yeah I mean Kawhi is the one you look back on but again Kawhi uh, when you consider that the Spurs wanted to continue to have a competitive roster and you know DeRozan was a, a big jewel for them which you know I, we didn't agree with but that the Spurs felt differently so I don't know I, the hindsight is 2020 and obviously Kawhi looked great this year and he led the Raptors to a championship and maybe he could have led Boston to a championship too but you know you bring Kawhi into that toxic environment with Kyrie Irving or would have ended ended up being toxic and maybe you wouldn't have liked it there and maybe they they would have flamed out and and then you lose him and you lose the asset as well so it's not great for the Celtics certainly you could say they should have been more aggressive at various times Jalen Brown is is about to get properly paid either via extension or next summer and then really Tatum is the the only big asset they have left that and the Memphis pick uh, for next year top six protected and then unprotected in 2021 the Sacramento first rounder that they thought was going to be really good did didn't work out i mean that was a, a big part of things kind of going wrong for them too you know if, if that pick is higher then maybe they got a little more ammunition for ad this year but that being 14th was not something that anyone anticipated so a lot of things i mean they had a lot of things go right obviously they had some pretty good luck in the lottery when they were had the next picks but then some things went wrong as well and they're not at the end of the world here now they in theory the reason these young assets are valuable is because those guys are going to turn into pretty good players but we'll see i mean tatum and brown both of their stars 
players have dimmed a little bit compared to last offseason and you know they, they may not even have Al Horford on the team either you know we have heard precious little about him opting out of that 30 million or not for next year I think we can wrap up here uh, anything else that you wanted to talk about just overall here uh, on this uh seminal day in NBA or seminal day after <laughs> the AD trade uh, as which is when we're getting it it's because you were at the U.S. Open yesterday I wonder how hindsight is going to affect this because I'm sure that people will see whatever happens with the Lakers as being more inevitable than it was whether that's that they fall off like the Brooklyn Nets did or that they become a championship front runner which is both of those things are entirely possible they could actually both happen too but I, I, I so and but because it affects the Pelicans so much because they are now so heavily invested in the Lakers future that becomes really important and you brought up the Drew Holiday element of this and I expected the Anthony Davis trade to provide greater clarity in terms of the Pelicans timetable, and I don't think this did. And part of the reason is because I don't know which of these young guys is still going to be on the Pelicans long term. I I could imagine them trying to find takers for any and all of them, even though I like Josh Hart's fit. I could see them moving if somebody really likes Josh Hart. You could go that way, but Lonzo and Ingram are the clearer cases here. And And maybe that leads to, you know, more uncertainty with what happens with Drew. My instinct is that they'll evaluate around the trade deadline and just see where they are and if they're a little bit further away then you move them because you might as well and if they're closer then keep them but it's it's going to be so so interesting to see how to see how all this plays out and I also wonder if and how I'm guessing not that much but I could be really wrong there how much what happened with the Warriors over this past week affected not the Lakers sense of urgency because that's an abstract concept but how would if how it affected what Palenka was willing to offer here because did he see a larger championship window after those moves and just throw one or two more chips in to make it to the point where David Griffin's like, well, what more can I ask for other than Kuzma? Yeah, and we'll see whether prioritizing retaining Kuzma or not. I mean, Paul and Ingram, really for salary matching, both had to be in the deal. I don't know that there would have been a way to keep one of those guys. I guess they, they could, the Lakers would have just had to eat into their cap space even more, I guess. You know, and I think the Lakers, frankly, for guys who can actually contribute next year to this team next to these guys, you know having just space as opposed to 10 million dollars taken up by ingram or, or ball respectively you can probably do better for that as far as a player who's going to help you win next year which obviously is what they're focused on but yeah i mean a lot can change in these time frames we're talking about even you looked at let's say golden state if they gave up an unprotected 2020 first round pick you know to like open up the room for kevin durant or something right and you're like man this is this is the most talent we've ever seen together on one team and now you look at it four years from now and i mean golden state could potentially be picking the lottery next year i wouldn't pick that to happen but that's a possibility you know especially if they get an injury early to draymond or curry so just a reminder that a lot can change especially with the shorter contracts in today's nba well and that's that's uh, actually that brings up another point that i wanted to bring up which is the timing of these pelicans assets that it might behoove griffin or his successor uh, you know because these picks are so far in the future that nothing is certain to potentially maybe move them before they become an actual thing because you brought up the sacramento example the sacramento pick or the brooklyn pick that was in the kyrie irving trade the highest point of value for those assets was not when they were actually made it was years before before. And so maybe Griffin can use those and and time it out a little bit. And as you said, Zion three years out, the progression there could be really important here too. Well, and having these future picks as well means that there isn't as much opportunity cost to trying to be more competitive now because you do have those future picks available. Now, it would certainly be nice 
for the Pels to get another high lottery pick next year. But the only way they do that probably is if they move on from Holiday or if just, you know, they have a bunch of injuries or Zion and Ball and Ingram and whoever they get with number four aren't quite ready to contribute this year. But I mean, this is going to be, they may not have a ton of shooting, but with Alvin Gentry as the coach, Lonzo, Zion, Ingram, Drew Holiday, I mean, they are going to get out in transition and they are going to maybe be the most athletic team in the league. I mean, they're they're going to have length, athleticism, force at nearly every position and uh it's gonna be very interesting to, to watch them next year and how they build i mean they have we talked about how lonzo is i'm sorry how zion is this really unique piece and you have to build around him in a certain way well lonzo is kind of the same way ingram is kind of the same way all these guys is eh, you know limited outside shooters but really athletic good ball handling skills for their size it's gonna be fascinating to see uh, what happens in new orleans from here on up we'll talk more about that uh, probably tomorrow i think actually because we want to we want to get our fake number four pick trades in before that actually gets moved or selected if indeed it happens uh you got anything else to talk about plug wise before we go yeah a couple things so my written analysis of this trade will be up by the time most people listen to this podcast i'm at 2000 words now and i'm not done it's just i have so much to, to i mean we just talked about this trade for about an hour and a half but have that that'll be at the athletic you can get it there also real gym radio i it got delayed this week because of everything that happened in the nba finals but I, i'm gonna this time i'll actually say my guess because we're recording in an hour uh jared weiss and i are going to talk about the ad trade the finals and interviewing kemba walker in tokyo so. oh yeah i want i want to hear that i i I'm very curious how it happened that yeah. he just was in Tokyo. Yeah, I'm very interested too because up. I haven't talked to Jared at all about it because he's he's been otherwise occupied. So yeah, I, I ask him if he uh, sampled some some wagyu in, in advance of the the wagyu is going to be buying me uh, at summer league. Yeah, I I might, I might do that. I, I might do that off air as well. But <laughs> yeah, so so that'll be out, and then I still have uh, three off season previews: Warriors, Raptors, and Hawks, all of which have to be at least partially rewritten based on what has happened in the last week. Those will come out over the next few days i'm guessing one of those will be out on monday as well all right and monday is when we shall talk to you next till then at bet 365 we don't do ordinary we believe that every sport should be epic every goal every game every point every play from the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period whatever the sport whatever the moment it's never ordinary at bet 365 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.